And even in the youngest of kiddos, they can pick up on the tension, the anxiety, the changes. Again, they're mimicking or mirroring our energy. So maybe they don't exactly know what's changed, but they know mom or dad or brother or sister is a little bit more stressed out or a little bit more um, tense than usual. So them just kind of feeding off of that energy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tinker Talks, the audio format podcast that talks about the happenings behind the fence line of Tinker Air Force Base. I am your host, Mark Hybers, and today we continue our discussion of the coronavirus or the COVID-19 disease. We are going to dive into a couple of topics today that deal with other effects of this disease, Uh, some tertiary effects that really aren't being talked about too widely as of yet, Uh, but I do think that this will come up and be a a great deal of discussions as we move forward with this this, uh, bad disease. So those two topics are how to communicate with your children and of course, mental health, mental health, uh, helping those who are stressing to cope with what is happening and actually what is getting ready to happen, uh, the fallout effects as we move through this. So today with us from the 72nd Medical Group are Captain Adriana Harrell, a licensed clinical social worker and family advocate officer in charge, and Captain Andrea Krunfuzz. Very is that nice. correct? Thank yes, you, ma'am. <laughs> it was that was a tough one. She says she goes by Captain K. So I think from this point forward, ma'am, if you don't mind, we'll refer to you as Captain K. Sounds great. She is a licensed psychologist and the mental health officer in charge. So good morning to each of you and thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Ma'am, thank you and appreciate the uh, Captain K. Uh, I would I would have surely not gone through the, this whole podcast. So here to help. <laughs> uh, good, good. That's good to know. Um, so before we get started, perhaps you can, uh, uh, Captain Harrell, you can give us a little bit of a brief background on how you got to this position, who you are, and uh, what got you interested in this career field, and then and then we'll jump in. Absolutely. So um, again, I'm Captain Harrell. I'm the family advocacy officer in charge. Um, So really what that means is that I take care of families on base. So anything that has to do with our kiddos, um, domestic violence, child abuse and neglect is what comes through family advocacy. Um, And so the way that I got into this work is longstanding. So I've been doing this sort of work for probably about the past 13 years, uh, working with kids, doing um, child abuse prevention, working in sexual assault and domestic violence prevention. I've worked um, on a university campus in the Women's Center and then decided to commission into the Air Force because I have a deep Air Force family. And so it's always been important to me to take care of Air Force families. And so as a clinical social worker and family advocacy, we see just about anything and everything that you can imagine. And it's a really unique position because yes, we take care of our service members, mm-hmm. but we also want to make sure that the whole family is healthy because right. we, if we don't have healthy families, then we cannot accomplish the mission. And so that's kind of a little bit about my journey, but I'm excited to be here. I love kids. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the, one of my favorite things to talk about. That's amazing. Great background and, and difficult, uh, difficult work to get into for sure. Um, So you said you have a a history in the Air Force with parents? Yes, sir. So both of my parents retired Air Force. My stepdad retired Army, and my brother was also Air Force. Okay. Yes. Incredible. So so with that, we kind of jump into um, this conversation of kiddos um, and how they're going to start to to cope. You know, Mm -hmm. some kids too young won't obviously understand what's going on, but um, they feel they feel triggers in their parents. So how do you begin the conversation with a child about 
a pandemic like this, especially something that, you know, none of us probably have ever been alive and witnessed to this extent. Absolutely. Um, and to kind of start that conversation, it's important to realize that as parents, it's okay to have some angst about having that conversation with our kids, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's difficult, it's unprecedented, and I don't really know that there's a manual or a handbook about how to, how to have these conversations. Um, but the key here is to do it honestly and calmly. Mm -hmm. Right. Because our kiddos form judgments based on our emotional responses. And so being reassuring, um, presenting the information in a way that is not inflammatory or not relying too heavily on the media, but managing that income being mm -hmm. my or input. Right. Um, being mindful of how much are they reading on social media? How much are they watching on TV? And then being able to provide them with honest, accurate and trusted information and then leaving the floor open. We want them to guide the conversations as much as possible, right. ask questions. We want you to be patient and empathy is key here. So we may not understand why our kids are so young and having such a strong emotional response, but with little humans, there's a lot of emotion bottled mm. up inside of a brain and a body that can't always handle that. Right. And so as parents, it's our job to help them tease that out, help them make sense of it, and really just be present in having that conversation. Um, it's okay to tell them that you're worried too, right. that this is scary and that this is something maybe that you've never seen. Um, but doing that without instilling fear or panic, it's really important to remind them to do the things they've always done, right? Mm -hmm. Wash your hands, brush your teeth, use hand sanitizer, uh, empower them in the things that they can control because mm -hmm. things are going to feel pretty out of control. So what can you do in posing it as what can you do to help keep yourself and your family safe? Well, mm -hmm. these are the things that we can do, but these are things we've always done. So in this sense, it hasn't changed. Um, hygiene practices, just being able to emphasize those things and giving them that power back. Um, when, and I think you, I mean, you really touch on something that I think is really important, but is very, probably very difficult mm -hmm. and is going to become very difficult for parents. And that is the, the body language mm -hmm. and the, the emotions that you're projecting. Cause you know, I have children and I now have grandchildren, but you watch them and you can see that, they're not talking, but they're looking and mm -hmm. you can absolutely see it's very noticeable that they're absorbing and and they're adjusting in everything that you're doing. They are such little sponges. So yes. I think that's uh, I mean, that is some pretty critical, significant, significant advice. Um, so what are the factors or triggers that influence the emotions or the stressful emotions on children in an event like this? Is it is it just the the body motions or, or is it the talk? Is it crying? I mean, what, what triggers these things for kids? It can range the spectrum, right? So things that trigger um, emotional responses in children may be different from what triggers emotional responses in adults, but we have to also acknowledge that it could be the same. Mm -hmm. So this is big changes that they're undergoing. They are feeling a loss of freedom, right? They can't go to school a lot of times. Um, they're not really able to engage socially the way that they're used to. Their routines might be thrown off. So just making sure that we acknowledge that for us, we might think, oh, it's short term, they're fine. But for them, this is a whole disruption to their world and to their system. Mm -hmm. So making sure that we acknowledge, okay, um, is too much TV triggering them? Is not enough social contact triggering them? 
how much are they sleeping or not sleeping or eating or not eating. So just being aware that there are these things that trickle in that can impact their day to day that we may not see as a big deal, right. but that for them, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty world changing. Right. And it, telling a child that, you know, there's probably a possibility they're not going to their daycare or school mm-hmm. anymore. Um, you know, it's easier maybe, well, maybe not easier, but there are more uh, cognitive abilities in older kids, I guess, to mm-hmm. adjust to not going to middle school or high school. But, you know, telling a four-year-old that they can't go play with all their little friends, I'm sure that does create it does. A, a stress. that. And even in the youngest of kiddos, they can pick up on the tension, the anxiety, the changes. Again, they're mimicking or mirroring our energy. So maybe they don't exactly know what's changed, but they know mom or dad or brother or sister is a little bit more stressed out mm-hmm. or a little bit more um, tense than usual. So them just kind of feeding off of that energy is something that can create some some panic in them. Right. And sometimes, bless their little hearts, they'll come crawl up on mom and dad and, mm-hmm. and give the mom and dad that little re-encouragement. Um, so what are common reactions that children have when they hear or see the stories like COVID-19 on the news mm-hmm. or hear conversations, you know, even though they don't maybe don't know what COVID-19 means, but they, you know, what are their type of reactions instantly sure. generally that you see? Um, so there's no one size fits all. So when having these conversations and um, paying attention to our kids, it's important to realize that, you know, their temperament, mm-hmm. you know, their level of comprehension. So we're still relying on that as parents, but also making sure that we're able to make adjustments as needed. So for our younger kids, um, they're pretty much just perceiving the responses or the emotions of the of their safe adults right mm-hmm. um our kind of three to five year olds they're typically um just adjusting to the change in the loss even though they have a they have trouble understanding why things are changing or why their life is a little bit different uh, for our six to ten year olds what's important to note about them is they may have some fear reactions mm-hmm. they may behave more aggressive aggressively or in anger and we're not really sure why or we can't pinpoint why right. um, and then even some regressive behaviors so maybe they want mom or dad to help them shower to help them dress or brush their teeth things that they've been doing on their own for a while mm-hmm. um, but for our older sort of adolescents we're looking at the emotional changes whether it is um, shutting down and they don't really want to be bothered they just need some space to process or um, they're complaining of more physical aches and pains in lieu of those emotional symptoms so not necessarily saying hey i'm sad or i'm afraid but my stomach is hurting or my head is hurting so just exhibiting Mm -hmm. that response right Mm -hmm. wow that's so difficult to to try to navigate those waters um so what signs should parents look for in their children to see if, if they're not coping with the stress? I guess, is it like what you're just saying? Like mm-hmm. they, they may have a, a belly ache or a headache or are there any other types of things that a parent should be looking for? Sure. Um, just l- pay attention to how long that distress is lasting. So if it's going beyond sort of a few weeks um, or if it hits suddenly, mm-hmm. then just paying attention to, okay, maybe this, maybe my kid needs um, a little bit more help coping or maybe they need a little bit more verbal or emotional reassurance. Um, just paying attention to any outbursts of emotion that may be unusual for your kiddo and normalizing it. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to express yourself and not um, making check-in something that's alarming, right? So making that a normal part of the routine. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? How are you feeling? But if we kind of start to over check-in, 
what's wrong? Why is mom or dad freaking out? What's right. going on? So just sort of normalizing the conversation around the COVID, um, giving them that information that they need and then being able to say, hey, if you want to read more about this, great. But let me help you find some resources and then let's talk about it so mm -hmm. that we don't allow them to do too much of their own digging. And then their kind of imaginations are running wild with the fears or the what ifs. Right. Gosh, that's so difficult. Um, do, do you think there are parents out there that uh, say their children are used to eating lots of food and now mm -hmm. a parent is suddenly into reactionary mode and they're like, Hey, we need to, you know, we need to cut back on mm -hmm. your snacks to from three times a day, you're snacking to one little bag of, of crackers or something. Is that, do you see that sort of thing? Sure. Happen? Is that sure. And it's an, it's especially important to note that there are families who are not used to having their kids home all day, every day. Right. Mm, right. So the burden of maybe breakfast when breakfast would have been at school or lunch when lunch would have been at school or snacks at the CDC, now being at home and so just reaching out for that support and then us as communities taking care of each other so that our kids don't feel the burden of that shift right. because every kid deserves to eat well mm -hmm. and to have that consistency in their routine and sometimes we can lose sight of this is that this person is used to having three meals a day because some of it is assisted or some of it is at school mm -hmm. and now they're home and the parents can't bear that financial burden, encouraging families to reach out. But then also maybe they don't need to reach out. Maybe we just need to pour support in. If you know someone had three kids at school and now all three kids are at home or, you know, teenagers eat a ton, they're growing, they're <laughs> developing, right? right. Just uh, being mindful that that's definitely impacting the household. Right. And, and I guess I, I would imagine too, that it's going to be very, uh, very important for parents right now to keep their kids um, mentally exercised. Yes, I guess if you will, Absolutely. like you've got to keep that little brain locked Stimulated. into something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not only that, but relaxed, uh -huh. right? So engaging in activities at home, art projects, going for walks, um, doing family yoga, guided meditation for kids, things that in an in an ever stimulated environment. We're keeping their brains engaged, but we're also teaching their brains and their bodies to relax in the midst of some chaos. Right. Wow. That's you know, such a horrible thing that's happening right now. But I, hopefully, you know, you have a conversation like mm -hmm. this and what parents may have not been able to do in the past for their children or with their children because we're such a an overly working, you mm -hmm. know, two parent working society now that, you know, hopefully someday in the long run, this will also um be a great benefit to a lot of families in the way that they're going to be able to reconnect even, yes. even under such a, an awful thing that's happening to everybody. Um, are you guys seeing an uptick or have you seen an uptick at all in, in parents maybe reaching out to, to grab that resource to figure out how to have that conversation? Um, not necessarily an uptick, but perhaps just folks reaching out for, to figure out how to keep their kiddos engaged at home. Mm -hmm. um, and then we try to give them things like um, online, their free coloring worksheets and things that don't necessarily cost a lot of money, but yeah. can help keep the kids busy and engaged and entertained, um, encouraging family things like reading time or making up stories and doing storytelling, mm -hmm. just making sure that the family still feels supported and that they can absolutely call family advocacy at any time if they, maybe they want worksheets and they don't have a printer. Okay, 
no problem. We can make those things happen. Um, just making sure that they know that we're here. And if those calls do increase or the needs increase, that we're here to step in to meet those as best we can. Right. So important. Take take care of and hug on, love on those little ones. They're, Absolutely. They're our future. They're vital. Um, so are there any resources for people that that maybe want to know more about this? And, and like I said in the beginning, you know, we're in Oklahoma here at Tinker, we're just kind of really starting to, to ramp into what is probably coming down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe these questions haven't, the stressors haven't hit yet, but uh, if they want to get some help and research, if they don't reach out to you guys or, or how they can get in touch with you, what are some resources people sure. can look at? Absolutely. So the CDC has been really great about publishing age-appropriate guidance, mm-hmm. um, how to have different conversations with your kids at different ages or different levels of comprehension, um, the American Association of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, their, um, PBS, Google oh. is a beautiful thing. Right. And so just being able to have resources that say, if I have kids zero to two, or 11 to 13, how can I have a conversation with them? And it gives really good guides, really good talking points, and it's really encouraging rather than shaming of, you should do this, but it is able to say, hey, this is what we recommend because this is what we've seen works in helping mitigate some of the stressors for the kids. Mm, Excellent information. And we'll post uh, a lot of those resources that you talked about once we, we put this up on our social media sites. And and we do have a, a corona, a COVID-19 uh, coronavirus website that we will post all this to as well. So um, with that, Captain Harrell, thank you so much for Absolutely. for joining us today. And don't go anywhere yet. Um, and just so that everybody knows during this conversation, you know, we're all in the same room, but we are practicing our good social distance we as are. well. We it's are. It's true. <laughs> we came in and, and uh, <clears throat> sanitized down the place and made sure that we're all set up within the some safe distances. So... Uh, thank you again for joining us. And Absolutely. It's a, it's a conversation that we could probably have for a while. It's so critical. Um, and, and now we're going to turn to Captain K, as we refer to you, ma'am. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we talk about um, kids and taking care of our kiddos. And, and I think Captain Harold um, touched on a really good point. And a, a lot of what has to come for the kids is coming from the parents which brings us now to to our topic, which is coping with stress as an adult. Um, mm-hmm. And we already know, you know, we've had a difficult year, uh, several years in the Air Force with um, our airmen and our, our wingmen and family members coping with s- certain stressors and triggers. And, and so this, adding something like this on top of it all, and then having children that you have to kind of, you know, you got to kind of buck up and... and be that calm force of reason um this could really be very overwhelming for a lot of people so before we jump into that though i wondered if you can take us through a little bit of your background and and what got you interested in in this uh topic of of education and and career wise sure so like you said i'm dr andrea (coughs) crunfuzz but i go by captain k because crunfuzz has an s and a z in it and it gets people all sorts (laughs) of weird um i'm a licensed clinical psychologist and here at Mm -hmm. tinker i'm the mental health element chief for the oic um so mental health as you know um helps treat and prevent mental illness including Mm -hmm. things like ptsd anxiety depression deployment 
employment-related stressors, um, and we work very closely with family advocacy and ADAPT as well. Um, before I was active duty, both Captain Harrell and myself actually worked at separate VA systems. And while I was there, I recognized this pervasive pattern of veterans who felt either they had no mental health resources or that if they engaged in mental health, they did so at the expense of their career. And um, I found that unacceptable. I got really angry. Um, and fortunately, military mental health systems are rapidly evolving. And for me, there's no better way to advocate for change or to be a part of that change than to get in the thick of things. And so I commissioned and fortunately was able to do a residency at Wright Pat and then get here to Tinker where we have a huge, outstanding group of folks, um, both in in mental health and family advocacy and ADAP that are all working together to make sure that, that our people are supported. Incredible. Great, great journey. Um, you both have very, very cool, uh, backgrounds in, in ways that you decided to get into this very nice. Um, and so we talk about managing stress and anxiety, as we know, for some people that's very difficult and under many different circumstances, uh, for all, life events, mm -hmm. certainly dealing with the type of pandemic that we're now seeing here, um, that could really overwhelm people very quickly. So what mechanisms do you guys have to try to help, uh, even as we're just now getting into this, what are we doing to try to get out and help these people who are going to run into this? Yeah, so fortunately, all of us are still here and present and making sure that we're doing our mission so that everybody else can fulfill their mission. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest things is just normalizing. Like Captain Harrell mentioned with kids, we do the same things with adults. It is normal to feel stressed and anxious about this. It's normal to have your sleep a little out of whack. It's normal to crave carbs and sweets and <laughs> salts in these times. Right. Um, and it's normal to feel helpless every once in a while. Uh, one of the things that we like to do is just ask and check in both with ourselves and with other people. How are you? Are you okay? Are you safe? Do you have what you need? And how can I help? Um, asking for help if we need it, but also extending it in general, mm -hmm. right? As an able body woman, I'm able to run errands for neighbors who maybe can't do that or, at, or are at higher risk. Um, and then just being gentle with each other and practicing some grace and humility. Like you mentioned, these are unprecedented times for us. We don't know how to react yet. We're all learning together. Um, and so just just making mistakes when we do and being okay with that. Right. Um, feeling anxious and stressed doesn't make you crazy. It makes you human. Right. Um, and you know, if that anxiety and that stress lasts so long or it becomes so severe that it's starting to really impact your mental health, it's impairing your ability to function, like doing your job or your relationships are really suffering um, or you're not feeling safe anymore, that's where we're really there to provide that professional support with you and get you back on track. Right, it's so critical that you say that it's, it's okay that this is happening and it's okay to admit it. And mm -hmm. you know, this has been a conversation that we've been having for a while. Um, we did a podcast with General Hill last year on the, the stand down. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of one of the big topics was that you need to feel empowered and okay that you can come forward and say that you're having right. a difficult time coping with things because it doesn't make you weak and it doesn't mean that you're your job or anything is in jeopardy. You just gotta, you gotta know that you can reach out to people. And, and I kind of like what you said about, um, about being kind and showing mm -hmm. people that, that other side of, you know, don't, 
now is not the time to get critical of people or organizations or things. Now is the time to kind of put that aside and and put on the, the softer gloves and make sure that we're all getting through this together. Um, we've said many times before, and we're not going to stop saying it because it's the truth, is that people are our most valued resource. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't make any sense for us to push people aside, especially now. Like, we're, we're all dealing with this together. Like, there's nobody that may not come in contact with this thing at some point or know somebody. So Mm -hmm. um, have you guys started seeing uh, anybody that's had to come forward and and start communicating about this yet? Sure. And I mean, both professionally and personally, I think Mm -hmm. everybody is affected by kind of stresses or anxieties related to COVID-19. At our core, we as humans are social beings. And so the idea of social distancing takes a heavy toll when it comes to our psychological health. Um, Isolation at its purest form is toxic for Mm -hmm. people. Um, And so what we need to start doing and what we're encouraging people to do is not social distance, but physically distance. Mm -hmm. Um, So reduce your physical contact while maintaining that social connectedness. And by doing so, and by reaching out before it becomes a a crisis and just saying, you know, like, Captain H, I'm feeling really stressed today. Can you just, can we just take five minutes? Or can you take a deep breath with me? Um, Before it gets really bad, that's how we're able to manage our own crises and be there for other people. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's there's an uptick um, in that people are stressed, but what we're actually seeing a lot more of is that people um, are showing kind of this unexpected grit and resilience and saying, hey, things are tough and I'm buckling down and I'm gonna do what it takes to be there for my family and be there for my unit and be there for my mission. It may not be in the way I expected to, Um, you know, everyone's shifting that way, but the resilience of our airmen and their families has come to light more than anything. I love that, the grit, the resilience that we tend to show it when uh, when we least expect it. Yes, sir. Uh, and I kind of like s- some of the things that you're seeing out there in the public, and not that we would condone this particularly, but um, like the the um, happy hours, the people <laughs> are FaceTiming happy hours, mm-hmm. or um, not to say that we would necessarily condone the, the sure. happy hours as far as alcohol-related, <laughs> sure. but, but that in general, you know? So if you used to hang out mm-hmm. with a core of friends... Uh, in any situation where now it may not be quite the the right thing to do, or mm-hmm. maybe you have kids at home, but you know, setting up those uh, those times where you can all dial in together and and get on a, a FaceTime type of mm-hmm. thing and, and yeah. share that same connectivity. That's yeah. uh, and there are loads of platforms for that, like Zoom, Skype, mm-hmm. Marco Polo. Um, video gamers often get a bad rap, but they're better at this than anybody else <laughs> through Discord. You know, they're playing games. Mm-hmm. across the world from each other and chatting and checking in all of those are tools that we already have in place and use it's just that now we're relying on them whereas before we felt they were just an option um but we have those skills and so just using them in a different way um, can be really helpful it's time to get creative yes sir and and even extending that Mm -hmm. to our kids Mm -hmm. they miss their friends they miss their schools they miss their social connections so those supervised video chats are connecting on the video games like Mm -hmm. captain k said um just being able to extend that to them as well that's a great point yeah especially because you know you you don't normally think of well we're trying to push our kids into the telephone Mm -hmm. but 
now may be like the time to to encourage it because they will get that at least that connectivity that they so miss right um, it's, it's funny when when you don't have the connectivity you, you, when you have it you don't really know mm -hmm. that you're going to miss it and then when you don't have it, you're like oh gosh i I kind of, I really do miss human beings. Mm -hmm. so maybe not yeah. necessarily <laughs> a machine, right. a bot. Um, so are the stressors, uh, are dealing with the stressors for a pandemic different than any other type of stressor? Or would you would you say that it might be um, worse or, or are they really all the same? You're just talking about a different scenario. Yeah, um, it's... It's different in that it happens to everybody all at once, whereas mm -hmm. life stressors in general happen on more of an individual level. But the way that people cope with them tends to overall be the same. Now, there are some differences, right? If my main coping skill is to go to the gym or go to a movie or take myself out to a restaurant, I don't have access to those skills anymore mm -hmm. um, or those strategies. Um, but the, the coping skills that people do often rely on they're still available to folks. Um, what we suggest is always going with what has been effective in the past, what's worked for you when you've been stressed in the past, and do that now, see how it applies. And if the answer is, I have no idea, I've never been stressed in my life, I have no idea how to cope, there is no better time than to to start experimenting with healthy coping strategies, you know, journaling, drawing, try a new recipe at home, play video games, engage in something that you value and something that you find meaningful. You know, the key to protecting your mental health in uncertain times, especially times like these, is to be proactive, mm -hmm. to be intentional, and to be flexible. Right. Good points. Um, so once this whole pandemic is over with and we would have to assume at some juncture it will run its course right um, hopefully sooner <laughs> rather than later yeah um, will some people still be dealing long term with the effects of what they are about to go through over the next you know month or two or three months however long this lasts sure absolutely and, you know it's so it's so strange because when we think about aircrafts, right, we expect that through their lifespan, they will go through hardships and they will require maintenance. Mm -hmm. We expect it. We plan for it. Humans are no different. Our mental health is no different. We require proactive and responsive maintenance. Um, mm -hmm. So I definitely expect that that even after this runs its course, and like you said, hopefully sooner rather than later, is that we'll still be adjusting, right? Kids who haven't been in school for months will go back to a brand new school year after not being with their friends for six months or right. so. Um, so it's, it's adjusting to a new normal. And routine can be really helpful in that, developing, uh, okay, this is our normal. What does our routine look like now? Mm -hmm. um, and having that, open communication, facilitating that with your kids, facilitating that with family when you're re-engaging with folks. Um, but I definitely think that the mental health aspects will continue, um, right. both the resilience and and some of the, the suffering. And, and, and I really like the, I like the way that you kind of tie the two together with the aircraft and the, and the people and the maintenance. That's, because uh, you're right. I mean, I you just don't normally think of you know, we need to undergo maintenance periodically for, right. for different things, including, you know, our own mental health awareness and, and mm -hmm. making sure that we're uh, we're staying on point and OK. Um, so I think it's critically important that we as people that are non-trained see signs in people, uh, because I, I think, you know, I'm certainly no expert, but 
I would have to expect that the people that have not coped with anxiety issues before or suffered um, what's the type of mental health issues that could come out of something this stressful, um, I think we probably will see some of that moving forward because of this type of, of situation we've never run across and we have no idea what the the aftermath will look mm-hmm. like. We don't know how bad this is going to get. Um, everybody's doing their best to make sure it doesn't get out of hand, but you know we don't know. Um, so what would people like me, a layman, do to look for key stressors and things I should know in somebody that, that even somebody I don't know? I mean, are there things I can look for to help? Sure, yeah. And... And the responsibility really falls on everybody. So the idea of looking out for your wingman, absolutely. But also the responsibility of of taking a knee when you need one or asking for some extra support. There is no shame in that. Mm -hmm. Um, We do it in sports. We do it in mechanics. That's just, that's what we do. Um, So things that you can look out for to be a good neighbor, a good wingman, um, are things like someone who seems out of sorts or out of character. Um, So everybody is going to feel a little anxious. Everybody's gonna be a little stressed. But if someone just doesn't seem like themselves or there's a pattern or a deterioration to their ability to engage with other people or do the mission or fulfill their job requirements, that's a good time to just say, hey, you know, I've noticed that you seem to be struggling. What's going on? Can I be helpful? Um, Or what do you need right now? Hmm. Sometimes people know the answer just like that. I need space. I need to talk. I need to vent. And sometimes people don't know. And that's okay, too. In those moments, what we generally do is say, do you mind if I just sit? Can we just hang out six feet apart? Can we just (laughs) hang out for a minute? Um, You know, we're socially or physically distant, but we're not alone in this. Everybody's going through it together. Mm -hmm. And so finding a way that you can connect with the things and the people that you value amidst all of this um, and sharing that with others is is the best way to connect with each other and and build that kind of strength and community. Right. You talk about somebody that that would tell you they need space <laughs> in a situation like this like you don't think as as a as a person that doesn't know any better but you would think that maybe space isn't what somebody needs but maybe it is but if it is, you know, at what point do you try to reconnect with this person and make sure that they're they're okay. Yeah. So one of the things that that I love doing that we can't necessarily do now is say, do you want a solution or do you want a hug? Uh Which is just this (laughs) this basic way of saying, do you need me to do something Mm -hmm. with the feelings that you're having or the thoughts that you're having? Or do you just need to know that I'm here, that I witness it, that I see it and that I'm okay, that I'm capable of containing it and you're not going to be ostracized or forgotten or invisible because of what you're going through. Um, So, you know, if I was checking in with you, if you weren't seeming like yourself and I'm like, hey, you know, you doing okay? You let me know you need some space. Depending on my gut feel, how how well I feel with leaving you alone for a little bit, I might check back in a couple of hours. I might check back in another day. Um, but there's no harm in just checking back and say, hey, I know yesterday was kind of rough. Right. How you doing today? Anything I can do to help? Um, and just continuing to check in. And that goes laterally. It goes up and down the chain everywhere i uh, in my neighborhood i have people who have signs in their windows saying like are you okay <laughs> you know and it's just yeah. little ways to inject humor to a very serious um condition that's awesome we'll throw some virtual hugs yes now absolutely and, and, and <laughs> all until, the virtual hugs yes. right until we can get past the hashtag six feet so uh, amazing information amazing topics um 
it's so critical as as these these types of conversations with the distress from adults and and our children and and how this is all going to play out at some point you know so so critical um i'm are there resources available out there for people dealing with the distress and anxieties and Definitely. And Captain H mentioned a lot of them. Um, when it comes to gathering information, one of the best things when you're looking at that is to say, okay, what is my purpose mm-hmm. in in researching or getting information about this? And is it helpful or harmful to my mental health? Um, and if it's helpful, then engage in it. Usually we recommend maybe you look at social media or news once in the morning, once in the evening around dinner so you have enough time to, to come down before you go to bed. But um, the CDC is absolutely going to be your number one, two for, um, for information. When it comes to mental health resources, we are still available for walk-in or acute or crisis appointments. Um, we're still available to the patients and the folks that we're seeing telephonically. Um, telehealth is really big in um, the civilian sector. And so the military is working to catch up to that um, and be innovative where we can. Military OneSource is still available. MFlex and Chaplains, to the extent that they're able, mm-hmm. are there to support folks. Um, there are also a slew of apps that are helpful, things like Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer, Virtual Hope Box, things that are free or low cost that can help you, remind you to check in with yourself. Right. Um, and then, of course, there's 211, which is kind of like a 411 for mental health health in Oklahoma. And then finally, if someone is um, so upset by this that they can't keep themselves safe or really worry about the safety of someone else, they can go to any inpatient facility, things like um, Oakwood Springs, Bethany Behavioral Health, St. Anthony. um, And we work very closely with those facilities to make sure that um, our members and their families can get acute care if they need it. Awesome. Great, great information and great partnerships. You know, when the the military and the local communities always partner up so well in helping each other get through these. So um, with that, Captains, Captains K and, and H, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's been great information. Uh, hopefully, you know, you guys don't see too much of an increase on your side um, as we get through this, but in a positive way, not mm-hmm. because people don't want to come forward, but because maybe we don't need to. But uh Excellent, excellent information. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having having us. us. Awesome. And so with that, um, we're going to bring to close another episode of Tinker Talks. Uh, This one comes in a bit of a series of us talking about the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 disease, and some of the helping tasks and things that we're doing out there in the community to get people information and resources that they need. So um, please don't forget to join us uh, for the next episode Check us out on our Facebook page. That's Tinker Tinker Air Force Base. Um, our Twitter page is at team underscore Tinker. Uh, you can also find us Tinker Air Force Base on Instagram. Uh, we are showing some photos and things out there right now about uh, how the base is coping with um, getting along in these different times. And, of course, check out our website. The tinker.af.mil has a website, and we now have a uh, coronavirus website that is up and running and is just absolutely a mountain of information and a lot of resources that we're sharing with our our medical partners here on base. So until the next time, everybody out there, please take care. Um, Give your little ones a hug and everybody else a virtual hug and uh, let's take care of one one another. And until next time, have a great day and a great week.